0: Before I left, I preached a sermon on Moses, and I wanted to deal at least a couple Sundays with the life of Moses. Now, we could go on forever on the life of Moses. I mean, he takes up, you know, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, are called the books of Moses. And we know he didn't live during, of course, the period of Genesis, but nonetheless, tradition says he wrote those books, and or at least came out of the tradition of Moses. So uh, he had the download, right? God gave him a lot of it. He had it by tradition as well, I think. So anyhow, the first five books are the books of Moses. And once you get into really Exodus and Numbers and those books, it, it, it seems at times we're almost every chapter hearing, and the Lord spoke unto Moses. And it's like, what kind of guy was this? I mean... At Every chapter, the Lord is speaking to him. He was one of the greatest leaders of the Bible. So the first Sunday that I talked about this, I just dealt with some leadership characteristics from Moses' life. So leadership characteristics for spiritual leaders. You know, be teachable, uh, be a person of prayer, uh, be a person that pursues and seeks the presence of God. So today, I want to look at, though, Moses' calling, Exodus chapter 3. And in particular, I want to look at five excuses that Moses made as to why he was not the man God should call. I don't know if you've ever made any excuses before, but I have. And what God did is God shot down every excuse of Moses. And I hope and pray in Jesus' name, He shoots down every excuse you brought this morning for not serving Him and not doing what He's called you to do. Did y'all hear what I said? I hope He just shoots down every excuse you offer. As to why you're not worthy or unable or whatever other garbage. As to why you can't do what God's calling you to do. So let's look into Bibles at, our Bibles at uh, Exodus chapter 3. Let's just begin with verse 1 here. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert. And came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. You know, a lot of people have preached on that. He had to turn aside. Why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that, he turned aside to look. God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. It's a tradition, not only in Christianity, but in other religions, that you take your shoes off in holy places. But I just have to believe here that it spoke something of uh, uh, approaching God requires something more. You know, it requires a stripping of yourself to some extent. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. If you know your Bible history, Egypt had been, I mean, Israel had been in Egyptian bondage for 410 years, and it had been getting progressively worse and more oppressive as time went on. For I know their sorrows, verse 8, so I have come down. Listen. So I have come down. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I'll send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Just just notice this. I notice it's so interesting. Verse 8 says, God says, I have come down to deliver them. I've not forgotten them, but I am coming down to deliver them. Then in verse 10, He says, now come therefore and I'll send you. Is it God delivering them or is it Moses? God is coming to deliver them, but He needs a person to do it through. So he's asking Moses to do the delivering work for him. I think God has come down to Elizabeth City. God has come down to America to do his work. And he's saying, will you go now? Come now, therefore, and I'll send you. You know, each of us are called. I I believe in vocation. I really do. I believe each of us have a calling on our lives. And that calling is specific And it's something that God wants us to do in the earth realm. Wants us to do with our lives. I believe that we're not to end our lives just not having fulfilled the call and will of God in our life. And your vocation doesn't have to be preaching or missionary work or evangelism. Though God calls those two. Your job could be teaching school, being a mother, being a business person, being a farmer. Whatever you're I mean, you I think you should look at it as a vocation that you're placed in that arena for a specific purpose to accomplish God's will. Amen? Amen? And sometimes maybe we've even mixed things up by just labeling things secular or profane or profana in Greek, secular. Secular deals with time. It's time-based as opposed to things that are eternally based. And maybe we have mixed you know, put this in our head and mix ourselves up because we think we're only called to do things inside the four walls of the church. Or we're only called if it's something religious that we're called to do. But if you look at the original pilgrims and Puritans who came over from Europe, they really believed all of their life was fulfilling the call of God. If they plowed a field, it was for the glory of God. If they taught their children, it was for the glory of God. If they cooked a meal, it's for the glory of God. Can some of the men say amen? amen. If y'all, you know, look at even, even Bach. I mentioned him in the first service. You know, Johann Sebastian Bach was arguably the greatest composer of all time. And he, he wrote for church. And so he would sign all of his compositions solely Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. Even the music we write is for God's glory. Amen? Wouldn't it shift the world if everyone had that perspective? What if our governors believed they were ruling as ordained by God for the glory of God? What if every school teacher in the public schools and the private schools believed well, I'm here for, to fulfill my vocation for the glory of God? What if every artist and every, what if everyone in Hollywood said, we're here for the glory of God, to disseminate His glory to the nations, and we're going to see the best way to do that. What if every banker and businessman and, and Wall Street person had that idea every morning? I'm getting up to do this for the glory of God. And to be a blessing to the earth realm. Amen. That's why we need Christians in business. We need Christians in the media. We need Christians in entertainment. We need Christian authors. We need Christian farmers. We need Christian truck drivers. We need Christian. Amen. We're to go be light in the world. Not of the world, but we're in the world. Amen. And we're to be a light. Hallelujah. I could preach on this the rest of the day. Come on, raise your hand if you believe you have a vocation and you're called to do something in this life. And the Bible says, be a steward of the manifold grace of God. Be a steward of the manifold. So the grace, because grace is not, you know, we think of grace as just the forgiving power of God. And it is that. Thank God. And it's amazing. But grace also is an empowerment because the word charis is the root of charismata, which we find, which is a gifting of God. And so when we have the grace of God extended to us, it gives us the power to act. And so when God gives us His grace, it becomes the giftings in our lives. And we have the ability to operate out of that. And God said, be a steward of that. Work it. Add to it. Be a steward of the manifold grace of God in your life. So as as one uh, preacher said years ago, it's like a triangle. This is your area of of gifting in life. And your job is to fill out that triangle for the rest of your life and and maximize the gift God has given you. The mistake we, we make sometimes is we see someone else who has a gift and we want that gift. And so we go outside of our lane, we get in somebody else's lane and we try to pull on that gift and we can spend a lot of years trying to chase something that God really isn't calling us to do. I don't know why I'm saying all this, but evidently someone needs to hear it. Stay in the lane God has given you, stay in that area of gifting God has given you, don't worry about everybody else, they have their thing, we want to hear from you. We've heard them, we want to hear, the world is waiting to hear from you. The world is waiting to hear what you have to say, what ability you bring to the table, what you're raising up, what you're mentoring. God is waiting to have you come on the world stage and leave your mark for the next generation. Somebody shout hallelujah. You have, come on, say it with me. I have a calling, I have a vocation, and I'm to be a steward of that in my lifetime. Wouldn't it be, the greatest thing I think could be said of us if we're lying in a casket at a funeral is he or she fulfilled the call of God on their lives. They, they did what God wanted them to do. Amen? Well, somebody shout hallelujah. So what happens to Moses? Moses has an encounter with God on the mountain. He's been 40 years growing up in Egypt in the house of Pharaoh because he was uh, put, because Pharaoh was having the young male Hebrew children killed. And so his mother took him out and put him in an ark of bulrushes, set him down the river. He goes right down the river just a piece, and lo and behold, Pharaoh's daughter is there. Pharaoh's daughter takes him in, and then she calls for one of the Hebrews to come and be a nanny for him. And guess who she gets? His mother. <laughs> so she goes and gets Moses' mother, and he, she comes and raises her son, but under the blessing and protection and wealth of the house of Pharaoh. So we can just assume that he grew up as an educated, wealthy person within the blessing and, and, and all of the aura of the kingdom of Egypt. And then at some point, though, he knew he was Hebrew, at some point he sees an Egyptian slave beating a Hebrew or Egyptian taskmaster beating a Hebrew slave and he gets angry and uh, this zeal rises up in him and he attacks the Egyptian slave master and kills him and he buries him in the sand and he thinks no one knows about it but then one day someone called him out on it and he started fearing for his life and he ran from Egypt went to Horeb in the backside of the desert to Midian and there started tending sheep met a girl married her got in with Jethro, his father-in-law. And you know you're in the country if your father-in-law is named Jethro. (laughs) Anywho. And so then for another 40 years, he becomes evidently a nobody. Just think about it. 40 years in wealth and education, probably. Another 40 years... Tending sheep on the backside of the desert. And then all of a sudden one day he's up on the mountain and God calls to him out of a miracle. A bush that's on fire but is not being consumed. And out of that theophany, God speaks to him and calls him into his vocation. Oh, hallelujah. So I'm telling you, if you want to know what God's calling you to do in your life, It doesn't take a life coach. It takes getting in the presence of the Holy Ghost. It takes getting in the presence of God and allowing God to speak to you and give you the mandate and calling on your life because when God speaks it, And He starts speaking to you through the language of heaven. Once you have dreams and visions and words and prophetic words and encouragement, you'll never forget those things. And when you get into your calling, if the going gets rough, you'll look back to what God called you to and those words and visions you've had. And they'll cause you to war a good warfare as you get out there in the midst of your calling. So he has an encounter with God. This is how the downloads come. Think about Jeremiah who had an encounter with God and God called him to be a prophet. Think about Isaiah who had an encounter with God and he was taken in a vision to the throne room and God called him to be a prophet. Think about Abraham, who encountered God and God appeared to him and called him out of the Ur of the Chaldees into the Promised Land. Think about Saul of Tarsus, who was on his road to Damascus to persecute Christians and he had an encounter with God and God called him to be an apostle to the Gentiles. You need an encounter with the Lord. I just still believe, I believe church is about encounter. I believe church is about coming in and encountering the presence of the Holy Spirit so God can give a download to you that we can't even give to you and you can be changed forever. So Moses gets this download from God and God says, I'm coming down to deliver my people now. Will you go do the job for me? And Moses reacts and he starts offering up all of these excuses. And I want us to run through these this morning. There are five of them. First of all, look at Exodus chapter 3. And let's look at verse, Exodus chapter 3. And let's look at verse 11. He says, but Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? I think you have the wrong guy, Lord. Who am I? This is really a question of identity. If you would have called me 40 years ago, maybe it would have made sense. But now I'm 80 years old. I'm a shepherd. I've lost the smoothness of Egypt. And I'm out here living my best life now. And what are you calling me to do? Who am I to do this work? He's struggling, I think, with his own identity. And when God calls us, He calls us, first of all, to see ourselves. When Isaiah was called, he saw himself. And he said, I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. God took a a seraphim, went and took a coal from off the altar, if you know the vision from Isaiah 6, that purged his sin and pressed it to his lips as a symbol of a sin was forgiven. When Jeremiah's called, he says, Lord, I can't do this. I'm a youth. And God basically says, shut up. You're not a youth. Or even if you are a youth, it doesn't matter to me. I'm calling you into what I'm calling you into. Amen? When God calls, if you're struggling with your identity, let, let, me, let, you, let me set you free from that. It isn't about you. It isn't about you. It's about Him. He will become your identity. He will shift your identity. He will define who you really are. Who am I, Lord? Who am I that I can do this job? And then what what does God say to him? God comes back and says in verse 13, Indeed, Verse 12 rather. So he said, I will certainly be with you and this shall be a sign to you that I've sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt you shall worship or shall serve God on this mountain. To to the response of who am I? God says, I will be with you. I think you have the wrong guy, Lord. No, I'm going to be with you. I don't know if you understand really who I truly am. It doesn't matter because I am with you. If the people in this church knew what I've been doing for the last 15 years, they'd kick me out of this church. No, God is with you. And if you could just see what the rest of us looked like previously, you'd feel okay. Come on somebody, hallelujah. Your identity is in God. The vocation is about God. It's about God accomplishing His purposes in the earth realm. And God has come to call you into it. And if He's with you, what else really matters? I will certainly be with you. Everything's going to be fine. You know, when, when Jesus was telling his apostles goodbye, you look at it, Matthew chapter 28, there's really a literary inclusio that happens here. He comes and he says, Behold, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Behold, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I'm the man. All of it the Father has given to me now. Now he says, now you go. And you baptize people. And you disciple people. And you go into all the world as a witness. Okay. I have all authority. Now you go. It sounds very similar to the call of Moses. I have all the stuff. You go do it for me. And then he says, and lo, I am with you. Always, even to the end of the aeon, even to the end of the age, it's an inclusio. I have all the authority, you go do my work and I'm behind you. You go forward marching into battle and I've got your back. You go into your vocation and I'm really behind you performing the work through you and I'll be with you everywhere you go. Come on somebody, shout hallelujah. Come on, put your hands together and give the Lord a praise. Maybe you've used that excuse, God, it's not me, I'm not sufficient enough, I don't have this, I don't have that, I'm not eloquent enough, I'm not, I'm not good looking enough, I'm not educated enough, I'm too thin, I'm too busy, I'm too fat, no one's ever used that excuse, I'm whatever. And God comes and says like He does what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3, He said, we are not sufficient of ourselves. It's not about us. We're not sufficient of ourselves to think anything is being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. God is the one who comes and gives us the ability to be ministers of the new covenant because it's not by the letter because the letter kills, but it's by the Spirit. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Let's look at the next thing here. Excuse number two. We're going to shoot down every one of these. Excuse number two comes in verse 13. And he says, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your father has sent me, the God of your father has sent me to you, and they say to me, What's his name? What am I going to say? What kind of credibility will I have? Who is the authority behind me? that'll cause them to believe that you've really sent me. Because if he had any credibility, it was lost. And he's been running for 40 years. So any credibility he had was gone and and null and void now. So he's saying, if I come back and I tell my people, you know, the Lord has sent me to you, what am I going to say? And God says this. He says, tell them that I am that I am has sent you. Tell them that I am that I am has sent you. Now God's been revealed in the book of Exodus as Elohim, which is a plural form of the majesty of God. Because we believe it's like the royal we. It's like a plurality of His majesty. He's so vast we speak of Him in plurality. Then he's been revealed as El Shaddai. He's been revealed as Yahweh. Yahweh being the self-existent one. That's a translated really in the old English versions as Jehovah. And so we know he's the self-existent one. We know he exists. But when I read some Jewish commentary on this, they were saying that when God says, I am that I am, he's using, he's using a term El Yah or Yah. Or, uh, or uh, ha rather. He's using this term in Hebrew, Hayah, which means I am that I am or I will be whom I will be. Which means who I am now is who I will be when you show up, Moses. And who I was to Abraham, I will be to the children of Israel. And it means I've not forgotten them in their struggle. And even though they've been in 410 years of Egyptian bondage, I've been working and walking with them through all of it. And now the fullness of time has come that I'm going to be their deliverer. I will be whom I will be. What does it mean? It means the God of yesterday is still the God of today and the God of today is going to be the God of tomorrow. And that's all the credibility you need. If you, how many of y'all have been born again? How, and how many of y'all believe that that God no longer exists? No, it's crazy. It's illogical. The God who calls you to be born again is the same God here today on October the 30th working in this room and walking among us. How many of y'all have ever been physically healed in your life? I can raise my hand. Look at this. All the people who've been physically healed in their life. The God who healed you physically back then hasn't stopped or gone out of business. He hasn't put closed on the front door. He's the same God today that He was when you received that healing. And guess what? I can guarantee you He's going to be that same God next week that He is today. And He's going to be the same God next month that He is today. He's going to be the same God in 2023 that He is today. So why fear, my brother or sister? Why fret or be discouraged or doubt? Why worry? Because the same God who's with us right now is going to be he's already in our future he's already out there calling those things that are not as though they were calling the end from the beginning he is who he is he will be who he will be I am that I am oh come on somebody shout hallelujah let me tell you this I am means I am the self existing one God doesn't know a past because He's never been there. He's always in the present. God doesn't necessarily know a future because He's never been there. It's all present tense to Him. That blows our minds, but we're caught in this warp of time. And we live in a world system where things grow, grow old, die, leaves, plants, animals, people, and all we see is this cycle. God stands outside the cycle. And that's why He doesn't change with the cycle. He isn't affected by the cycle. He isn't affected by the times. He's the same God that He was to Moses. He's the same God right here in Elizabeth City today. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Some people believe in like what was ancient Sibelianism, that God was one thing in the Old Testament, another thing in the New Testament, another thing to the church. No, honey, He's been the same God all the time. He is eternally existent. He is eternally existent. He is the I am. I've hit something here. You need to get in your spirit right now. He is the I am that I am. He already sees your future. He's already out there in it in the present tense for Him. So Moses, don't worry about any credibility when you get there. I'm already there. Don't worry about what you're going to say when you get there. I've already been there. Come on, somebody. Have you ever been through something and you get on the other side of it and you see much more clearly? Come on. Hindsight is twenty-twenty, 20 is a saying, right? And you get on the other side, but when you were going through it, you just couldn't figure out what in the world God was doing. But when you got to the other side, you're like, you were doing this all along, Lord. You were just trying to bring me to your perspective. You were trying to get me to your perspective. Right? Right? A few years ago, I hiked in the Smoky Mountains, and I heard there was a certain peak that I could hike to, and I saw the pictures online. So I said, I want to go there. So I got up early in the morning, I stayed in Cherokee, right across from the casino. (laughs) Wasn't the quietest place to stay. But I got up early the next morning and hit the Smokies, and I went up to this Parking lot, trailhead, started on the trail, and all I could see was dark trees. It was early, so it was cool, and all I could see was basically this, you know, it was light, but it was dark. And Then it was about four miles to the peak, and I probably hiked two miles of stair steps, Now, I'm raised in the mountains, but two miles of stair steps is rough, and I'm making these long strides, and I'm thinking, maybe I should turn around and just go back to the truck, but I just kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going, and I finally came out of the woods, and I saw the peak. and my whole perspective shifted. Now, I couldn't see the peak when I was in the thick of the woods, and my blood was pumping, and I was sweating like crazy. All I could see was the dark. But when I got to the peak, my whole perspective shifted. I'm telling you, I don't know why I'm saying this. Some of y'all walking in that dark place right now. You can't see clearly the perspective that God's bringing you to. But I pray this morning you hear this word, I am that I am. He's the same God of yesterday that He is today, that He is tomorrow. He's bringing you to a point of perspective where you're going to see Him clearly. Come on, can somebody shout hallelujah? Hallelujah. Preach on, Brother Hans. I'm just... Look at the next thing here. Turn with me back to the book of Exodus. Let's go to chapter 4, verse 1. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me. Okay, number one, Lord, who am I that you should send me? Number two, what name am I going to use when I get there? Number three, Lord, what if they don't believe me? This is a faith issue. That when God calls us, it challenges our faith. And when you answer the call and vocation of God, it requires an exercising of your faith that I'm going to go to the next level in faith. And when you start exercising your faith, your faith grows, it's like a muscle. You start exercising it and feeding it properly. Faith grows. And so he's like, Lord, he's, che- he's checking his faith level here. Lord, when I get down there, suppose they don't even believe me. And how does God respond? God says, what's in your hand? He said, well, it's a staff. That's all you need. I'm not asking you to go get something and be somebody you're not. I'm just asking you to be yourself. And to say yes to my calling. And when you get out there, I'm going to show up and do signs and wonders through your life. And they'll believe for the signs and wonders. So he says, take that staff and throw it down. Cast it down. And when he does, it becomes a snake. I don't know if I'd made it past that point right there. He threw it down and it became a snake and then He says pick it up and He picks it up and it becomes the staff again. Then He says put your hand into your bosom and He does and He pulls it out and He has leprosy. Then He puts it back in and pulls it out and it's completely healed. God was just showing Him signs and wonders. And He says don't worry about whether they believe you or not. This isn't about believing you. It's about believing in Me. And if you just do what I say, I'm going to show up and I'm going to do the miracles. I'm the one stepping out here. God is the miracle worker. He just wants us to open up and say yes and allow Him to come in and do the miracle. Yeah. R.W. Shambach said years ago, God asked him, he, he was in a service and there was somebody who was dead or something and he said, I'm going to pray for this person. And he said, the devil said, what if they don't get up? And he said, I just responded and said, devil, what if they do get up? That's way, that helped me a lot because sometimes in praying for people, especially if you're in ministry, you're praying in front of people. It's like, what if something doesn't happen? And I thought, well, you know what? That isn't my job. My job is just to obey the Lord. Gets up to him to do the miracles and the signs and the wonders. I learned that years ago. I went to I went to hold a camp meeting years ago, and I always had this pressure on me, this undue, unnatural pressure that when I showed up, if everybody's got to get saved, means I have to do everything right. If anybody's gonna get blessed, I have to do everything right. And if I didn't do this right or didn't say this or that, somebody's not. I, finally, I just released it and said, God, I'm just gonna obey. And I'm going to do my job and give a call. And then it's your, it's your deal. You have to heal. You have to do. And you know what? It set me free. And I saw incredible results after that, I think, in my own ministry. Just by saying, God, it's your ministry. It isn't about me. It isn't my thing. It's your thing. Amen. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. This isn't Hans Hesse's church. This is the church of Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church. It isn't your ministry. It's His ministry. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, God, if I go, how are they going to believe me? It isn't about you. It's about me. Point them to me. If they're believing only in Moses, then we've got preacher religion. I'm going to move on to the next one. Verse 4. Then Moses said to the Lord, "Oh Lord, I'm not eloquent. Neither before nor since you've spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech. I, don't, I just, The way I talk just isn't good enough. I don't know what was going on with him, if he had, had some speech impediment, or if he just didn't like the way he spoke. I don't know. He just didn't think he was good enough. But he's giving us as an excuse. God, I'm slow of speech. I can't, I can't, I just, I just, I'm not eloquent. I don't, I'm not an orator. I'm not, I'm not trained in that. I don't have that ability. And what does God say? I created you. That's what he responds with in, in so many words. You know, I'm the one who created you. And I like you just like you are. And you're good enough to be used of me. You know, God used, I remember one time uh, we were, Jackie and I grew up under this ministry of H. Richard Hall, and Brother Hall had an organist named Don Warren who passed away within the last couple of weeks as well, and, and one time there was a lady who got up in a meeting and gave a prophetic word, it was a Torah tongues and interpretation, and she was as country as cornbread. I mean, God I ain't going to do nothing over yonder, and you know, it was all this kind of work. And the organist, Brother Don, after the service said, Brother Hall, was that really God? Does God talk like that? He ain't going to do this and it's over yonder and yonder. This has stumbled people up in Pentecostal churches because they thought surely God has correct grammar. I mean, come on. But I love Brother Hall's response. He said, no, God talks like you talk. He's going to use you and your voice. If it ain't and can't and papaw all, mamaw, all, he's going to use that. Hallelujah. That's exactly what he's going to He's going to use you. He's going to use you and your accent. You know, I had a, I had a struggle. I, I was raised in Appalachian Mountains, and I've carried this accent with me. It's better now than it used to be. But I went to Washington, D.C. and planted a church in the wealthiest county in the United States. And I had a lady come to our church, her and her husband, and they, they got involved in the church. And after a while, she said, Brother Hans, I love the church. I love your preaching, but I'm going to be honest with you. I had to really work to get over your accent. <laughs> so God uses me in spite of all this. I pulled around Dunkin' Donuts one day to their drive-thru, and I said, Ma'am, I'd like a large black coffee. She responded and said, this is from the drive-thru, honey with an accent like that, you can have whatever you want. (laughs) This is in, this is Northern Virginia. And I pulled around to the window and she opened the window. She said, where are you from? you like from Texas. I said, I'm from Virginia. And this is the way you're supposed to talk if you're from the state of Virginia. Thank you very much. (laughs) Come on, lift your hand and say, God can use me. Just like I am. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, God can use you just like you are. How many of y'all remember Elias Malky who used to come? Dr. Malky. He would get up and he was an Arabic speaker and he said, I love my hair. He said, I love my nose. And I loved it when he would go through all this. He said, I just got comfortable with who I am. There's something to be said for that. Be comfortable in your own skin and just let God use you as you are. Come on somebody. Hallelujah. He offers one more excuse, and this is the like, this is the straw, this is the last straw. He says in verse 13, "Oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send." You know what that means? Send anyone else. Go pick one off the street. Send anyone else except me. You've got the wrong guy. And what happened? God got mad. God got mad. Finally, it's like I'm done with you. And then He says this. He says, don't you have a brother? Don't you have a brother named Aaron? Well, guess what? He's already on His way to meet you. And this is the way I interpret that. Even though we offer all these excuses, God's saying, not necessary. I've already provided everything you're going to need to accomplish the calling i placed on your life. And when you were sitting here complaining, I was already calling in the provision and building around you the support that you would need to perform the calling that I have on your life somebody shout hallelujah so while we're sitting around saying God how are you going to do this and how are you going to provide this and how are you going to make this happen God's saying if you could only pull back curtain number one and see into the spirit realm and see how I have the angels already working on your behalf and how I've already provided everything in heaven for you and how I've already given you everything you need to accomplish the task and how I've already put a bug in the people's ears who need to come around you and short." Up your gifting. If you could only see that, you wouldn't be asking me to go find somebody else. You would just respond with the one word God was looking for the whole time, which was simply, yes. Come on, somebody. How many can stand on your feet and just say, yes? Come on, say, yes, God, whatever you're calling me to do, I'm your man, I'm your woman. Come on, just go ahead and shout it out. Yes, Lord. Lord. You want me to go? Here am I. Send me. You want me to be the man? I'll be your man, God. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. Do I have it all together? Absolutely not. Am I perfectly eloquent and perfectly educated? Absolutely not. But God, I have something greater than all that. I have obedience. And I have passion. And I'm going to say yes to you. And you're going to come and fill in all of my weaknesses. And you're going to shore up all of my giftings. And you're going to give me the power and the ability where I don't have the power and the ability. You're going to make me strong where I'm weak. You're going to make me smart where I'm dumb. You're going to come and fill in all the gaps and you're going to do something amazing in my life. If you believe that, give the Lord the best praise of the day. Some may think this only works in church no 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 it works anywhere yeah. I had a friend years ago come to lay tile in a building that I was pastoring in in northern Virginia it's a friend of mine he came to lay tile and I left him alone left the building he went and he looked at, at, the, uh, at the walls and he looked at the, the, the first wall that was along the front uh, uh, open windows and he talked to me later and he said Hans I didn't know what to do Because I realized these walls are as crooked as anything. And I thought, God, how can I even get a start? So you know what he did? He prayed. He prayed. Can a tile worker pray? Does he have a vocation? He prayed. And he said, God showed me where to start. And he laid the most beautiful tile for our church. I remember the story. I come from coal fields. I remember a story of a coal miner who was in the mines and, and water broke, broke loose and was rushing through that mines. He said literally all he could find was a chain. And he grabbed that chain and he said in the name of the Lord I smite this water in Jesus name and the water stopped and didn't consume them. Come on. If God can do it for a tile worker and a coal miner surely He can do it for you. If God did it for Moses, surely He could do it for you. Think about it. He was a murderer. And God still called him into an amazing ministry. If He can call Moses, surely He can use you. Come on. Everybody on your feet with your hands lifted saying, God, here I am. I need a download, Lord. I need You to speak to me. I need a download. I need direction, God. I need to know what You're calling me to do because God, whatever You say, do, I'm going to say yes. I cast away the excuses today. I throw them to the wind and I say, God, no more excuses. I just say yes to Your will and yes to Your purposes over my life. Hallelujah. It isn't about me. It's about You. It's about You, Lord. It's about what You want to do in the earth realm. And God, I give You full authority in my life, God. Hallelujah. Let me be Your steward. Let me be Your minister. Let me be the one that goes forward saying, Here I am, marked by God, separated by God, anointed by God, used for His purposes. I say yes to You today, Lord. Come on, put your hands together and give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we just thank You today for Your Word. I thank You for the life of Moses, God. The Bible isn't a story of perfect men. It's a story of a perfect God, and You're that God. And God, we know that it's a story of fallible men and women, but You use them. You use them, God, in their weaknesses. You use them. Father, here we are, and all we're asking is that You use us and that we are able to say yes to Your will and yes to Your ways, God. Oh, hallelujah, God. Forgive us where we've been disobedient. Forgive us when we've not been willing, where we've made these excuses, God. We cast them aside today. No more excuses. And we walk out of here in confidence and boldness in your authority in the name of Jesus. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. How many many in this building this morning could say, Pastor Hans, I've never said yes to Jesus to come into my life, but I'm saying yes this morning. I want Jesus Christ in my life. I want to be born again. I want to leave this building knowing that my heart's right with God. If that's you, I want to pray for you this morning. This is not about embarrassing anybody. It's just about getting getting your heart right with God. If that's you, let me see your hand. We're going to pray for you this morning. Thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, guys. For Maybe there's others of you. Maybe there's some in this building this morning who's saying, you know, Pastor Hans, I used to serve the Lord and I really grew up in church and I had it going on, but I I grew cold on that commitment. But I'm hearing you preach and my heart's on fire right now. And I want to renew my commitment to you. If that's you, let me see your hand. We want to pray for you. I don't want you to leave here not knowing you're, you're not right with God. I want you to know Come on, church, everybody agreeing with me. Let's all pray this out loud. Come on, Let's pray it out loud with full authority because when we pray, we encourage those who are praying for the first time and it's good for us to pray anyhow. Come on, pray it out with me. Father in heaven, you have all authority and you've given it to your church and we thank you, you've given it to us. We repent of all sin We repent of all disobedience and we leave it behind us. And today, Lord, we say yes. We say yes to you and everything you want to do in our lives. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Holy Spirit. Come and use me. Make me something. Make me somebody in your kingdom. I give my life. And I give my heart to you right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Come on, if you would, just touch your neighbor on the shoulder right now. Just touch your neighbor on the shoulder right now. Say, Father, I pray for my neighbor. I pray that you baptize them afresh in the Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that you minister fresh fire over their lives. And that, God, you use them. You let them see their vocation. You let them see. Let them them understand the language of heaven. As you speak to them, God, I just pray blessing and open doors, God, in the name of Jesus. I minister to the person next to me right now. Holy Spirit, come and do your work. Do your work. Speak strong, God. Speak bold, Lord, into our lives, I pray in the name of Jesus. And we give you praise for it right now. Hallelujah. Come on, can everybody say amen? You know, who knows who is waiting? on the other side of the door of your obedience. When you say yes, you open a huge door to everything God has for you. And I guarantee you, it's amazing. I guarantee you, just saying yes and opening that door saying, yes Lord, I will. Here am I. Send me. Use me. Take me. Speak to me. Speak through me. Try it this week. Maybe some of you have hesitated on witnessing to people because you thought, well, I'm not Billy Graham or I'm not Todd White. Or... Well, you know what? God's not asking. Billy Graham's going to heaven. Todd White's in Texas. God's asking you to do it. You must be the right one. If He's putting it on your heart, He's asking you to do it. He say, well, I don't have all the words. God says, don't worry about all that. I will be your reputation. I will be the I am that I am. Just open your mouth and let him fill it. Let him do it. Let him do it. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, use me. Lord. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching and listening to the podcast. And I hope these sermons have been a great blessing and source of encouragement to your life. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing today, Jesus is the answer. I can tell you, He is the answer for your life. I'd love to pray with you before we leave here. So if you never accepted Christ into your life, or if you just have a need in your life, let's lift it up to the Lord right now. Come on, pray with me. Lord Jesus, wash me from all sin. I accept you into my life. I repent of all sin, and I place you on the throne seat of my heart. Lord, I pray right now, you minister to each and every one who just prayed that short prayer with me. Whatever situation they're facing, give them grace right now. Give them the power they need to get through it, Lord. Give miracle signs and wonders today, Lord, to those listening in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We declare it done in Jesus' name. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in and listening and watching us.